Hello there, old and new friends. Welcome to Divine Musing, episode 10, Bad Christian Art. I am Destiny Rambo Corey, and I am so thankful that you have joined me for this journey into scripture, literature, poetry, and prayer as we view them through the light of transformation and growth. Here's something I've been thinking about lately. We begin with a quote from J.R.R. Tolkien. We have come from God, and inevitably the myths woven by us, though they contain error, will also reflect a splintered fragment of the true light, the eternal truth that is with God. Indeed, only by myth-making, only by becoming sub-creator and inventing stories, can man aspire to the state of perfection that he knew before the fall. Our myths may be misguided, but they steer, however shakily, toward the true harbor, while materialistic progress leads only to a yawning abyss and the iron crown of the power of evil. Tolkien is one of my favorite writers of all time. When I was 19, I had the opportunity to go visit my best friend in Oxford, England, while she was attending university there. And one of the places I really wanted to go was this little pub known as the Eagle and Child. Now it's simply a popular hangout for college students, but if you rewound the clock a few decades, you would have been able to see Tolkien and C.S. Lewis and other writers who called themselves the Inklings gathering for lunch on Tuesday afternoons to discuss their latest works. Um, there was a small room in the back of the pub known as the Rabbit Room, where they would gather to read their new works in progress and get insights and critiques from their colleagues. It's said that Tolkien was working on The Fellowship of the Rings, the first book in the Lord of the Rings series, at the same time that Lewis was writing The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe that became the introductory tale to the Chronicles of Narnia. Even though technically The Magician's Nephew is the first in the story, it was written years later as a prequel. I don't want to upset my fellow Lewis geeks without making that distinction. Um, can you even imagine how exciting those lunches must have been? Tolkien waving his arms about, describing Gandalf and his fireworks, and Lewis attempting to voice the great lion Aslan with his deep wisdom and ferocious roars. Uh, I would have given anything to have just been able to sit in on those moments. I've even heard rumors that C.S. Lewis led Tolkien to Jesus in that very room. Um, though the rabbit room in the back no longer exists because they opened the pub up during its modernization in the 1960s, most of the wooden benches and fixtures remain. All I wanted was to just go and sit where they sat and feel the memories swirl around me, just breathe the air they breathed, eat the sandwiches they ate. Um, yeah, so when we arrived at the pub, I walked straight to the back and sure enough, there was a booth back there open. I sat and just sobbed crying. Why? Because the books that shaped me, saved me, and were escapes for me were all birthed right there. Um, my upbringing was unusual, to say the least. Um, quick synopsis, uh, my parents were traveling musical artists and ministers, and up until I was 15, we toured full-time and lived on a bus. I was homeschooled, and aside from my siblings and the children that we met at different churches along the way, it was a pretty solitary existence. When the bus was moving, I pretty much just stayed in my bunk and would either read or write in my journal. 
Though it may sound like an adventurous life, um, it was full of many highs and lows. From being sexually assaulted to physically abused by various people on the road, I just, I hid within myself and between the pages of books. They made me feel safe. They gave my imagination a place to go and play, and they showed me that home was anywhere I could dream it could be. When I prayed for God to hear me, he answered me through the stories I found refuge in. When I begged for healing in my body and in my heart, spirit sung over me through the music of the songwriters I clung to. I'll never forget the day we were in a church green room eating after a service, and I was talking with the pastor's daughter about having just finished reading The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I was going on and on about how brilliant the story was and how much I loved the book. Her eyes got so big, and she yelled loudly enough for the whole room to hear, Destiny reads secular books about witches. The collective gasp in the room was deafening. She used that word secular. I was all too familiar with that word. It was smeared across any piece of art that was deemed to be ungodly. I wasn't allowed to listen to secular music or watch certain shows or movies because something about them screamed that they were too worldly to be consumed. Certain non-Christian things were allowed, but only if it was wholesome or if the artist or writer themselves was a Christian. I understand fully that parents need to guard the eyes and ears of their child, but some things, especially in the 80s and 90s, were taken to rigid extremes. (laughs) On top of that, every parent had their own opinion of what was okay and what pushed the lines of darkness too far. I learned in that moment in that green room that not everyone could find hope in a story with the word witch in a title. Even as a child, there was something in me that saw there had to be a spark of the divine in any artist who was trying to show the world beauty. How could a song about love or a beautiful painting of a flower be deemed anything but inspiring? Or why did something have to say Jesus specifically in order to spark a divine awakening in us? If Jesus could meet people where they were, Why couldn't art, birthed from a place of spirit working through us, do the same? I think Madeline the Ingalls said it best in her book, Walking on Water, that we discussed last month, when she states, What we are is going to be visible in our art, no matter how secular on the surface the subject may be. There is nothing so secular that it cannot be sacred, and that is one of the deepest messages of the Incarnation. She also said, if it's bad art, it's bad religion, no matter how pious the subject. Uh, James 1, 17 and 18 out of the Amplified Translation says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of lights, the creator and sustainer of the heavens, in whom there is no variation, no rising or setting, or shadow cast by his turning, for he is perfect and never changes. It was of his own will that he gave us birth as his children by the word of truth, so that we would be a kind of first fruits of his creatures, a prime example of what he created to be set apart to himself, sanctified, made holy for his divine purposes. 
What's so interesting about this verse is that the word gift that is used two times in the first sentence actually have two different meaning. They were translated from two completely different words into our one English word, gift. The first usage in every good gift comes from the Greek word that means to give a gift, like you would buy a friend a birthday present or give an offering. The second time it's used in every perfect gift is from the Greek word that means a benefaction or to receive a bounty. It seems like James was drawing a parallel of opposites here. What we give out and what we receive are all derived from the same place, his own spirit birthed in us. I believe that what James was trying to convey is that if we truly are descendants of Christ, who are living in the awareness of our set-apartness, what comes out of us and what we bring into ourselves must be sanctified simply by us coming into contact with it. We are children of the Father of lights, and therefore we have that light already inside us. Why not use it to create art, to write music, to expand the way the world views creativity, and to shine a light into the dark places? Colossians 3, 1-3 says, Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ to a new life, sharing in His resurrection from the dead, keep seeking the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind and keep focused habitually on the things above, the heavenly things, not on things that are on the earth, which have only temporal value. For you died to this world and your new real life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory." If we truly believe these verses, then how can we apply them to our everyday lives? I understand that there is art and music that blatantly attempts to conjure darkness and leave its audience in a state of disrepair, but I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about opening our eyes to finding divine in the places we never even thought to look or to grant permission to artists to loose their pens or brushes or musical notes into realms they never realized were possible. I long for artists to rise up again in the church who will dare to seek out fresh mediums, uninhabited by fear of offending, but free to see the world through the Father of Light's eyes. It seems that religious culture today has the easiest time processing the work of the author and gives them some liberty to stretch boundaries. We pick up books and expect to have a whole new world unveiled before our very eyes, or at minimum, see old truths reimagined in ways that feel new. We have little or no problem allowing the author to co-create with the master creator and set their imagination wild. Um, do you think that C.S. Lewis felt like he was in sin when he wrote about the Witch of Winter being conquered by a lion and some children? Did Tolkien feel like he was leading us into some kind of worldly temptation when he birthed the fires of Mount Doom that only the tiniest and humblest of creatures could conquer? How Great Thou Art has already been written. Jesus on the Cross has been painted a million times. There are so many worship songs in the world that I can't even keep track of them all anymore. Um, I believe that in the world, we have tried so long and so hard to create safe art that we've actually started to create bad art. When was Jesus ever safe? 
Where are the musicals, the books, the albums about real-life heartache and perseverance and discovery? Where's the fantasy and the whimsy and the outlandish? Outlandish. Yeah, I said that right. <laughs> outlandish. Um, I know they're out there, but they are few and far between. I mean, too few and too far. I believe that fear has paralyzed the artists and the church, and my greatest prayer is for that fear to be delivered. This message isn't just for writers or painters or singers. It's really for everyone who's gifted to create. What about the architects, the chefs, the engineers and designers? We all have something to communicate that either exudes love, compassion, and grace, or negativity, isolation, and darkness. When we tap into our sacred gifts, the sacred can't help but be commingled into every aspect of what we create. I know some of you are listening and thinking, but I'm not creative. I'm not an artist or a musician. I have two left feet. I'm just not creative. Let me be the one to break it to you that you were created by the creator of the universe in his image. So somewhere deep inside, maybe really deep, there is a spark of creativity you just haven't tapped into yet. I think you might already know what it is. Don't be afraid to let it out. My younger brother, Israel, was interviewed a few years back about his work. Um, his realm of influence is predominantly in uh, film and outside of the church. He was asked if he felt convicted about using his God-given gifts in the secular market, and he responded with something so brilliant that I had to quote him today. He responded and said, in the world, there's no such word as secular. If you go and ask any mainstream artist their thoughts on the difference between secular and Christian music or art, they will look at you dumbfounded. The word secular is specific only to the church and is almost unheard of outside of it. If we are gonna have any form of influence outside of a sanctuary, we have to stop classifying art as one or the other. It just makes us look small-minded and ignorant. You can't have influence in a market you don't understand. Good art is good art. I believe that there is so much room for all of us to grow. So many things divine wants to expand our minds about if we'll only listen. I encourage you this week to be aware of the gift of art around you and within you. It's waiting if only you'll take the time to notice. If you are in a place of seeking to find God's hand in unexpected places, or if you are an artist who's felt trapped in the paralysis of tradition and are desperate for a breakthrough, then why don't we pray this prayer together? Divine Creator, you sent your son Jesus to earth to show us the way, the way to live, the way to shake things up, the way to make an impact. Meet me in my frailties and open my eyes and ears to the beauty around me. Remove judgments in me that are rooted in religious rhetoric and set me free to see how great your divine inspiration can be. Awaken the creative in me that can show the world your goodness in fresh and new ways. Give me the bravery to paint outside the lines and to meet people where they are. 
I am not afraid to get messy as I express the sacred gifts you have given me. Rekindle childlike imagination and curiosity in me in a way that causes growth and purpose. Let the light of the Father radiate from everything I do and touch, so much so that when people come in contact with me, they feel the presence of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for joining me today. I will leave you with one more quote from Madeline Leingle. The journey homewards, coming home, that's what it's all about. The journey to the coming of the kingdom, that's probably the chief difference between the Christian and the secular artist. The purpose of the work, be it story or music or painting, it is to further the coming of the kingdom, to make us aware of our status as children of God and to turn our feet toward home. I hope this musing has given you a little something to think about too. Thank you so much for joining me today for Divine Musing. For more information, head over to www.rambocory.com. I would love to connect with you on social media. You can find me at facebook.com forward slash Destiny Makes Music or on Instagram and Twitter at Des Rambo Music.